Today is part two in our series from the Old Testament book of Jonah entitled Jonah, God's Unrelenting Pursuit of You. Jonah is the prodigal prophet running from the presence of God. God told him to go east to Nineveh and preach a message of God's pending judgment. And Jonah said no and went west. He goes down to Joppa to the seaport to catch a boat sailing to Tarshish, some 2,500 miles away. Now, I think it's important to point out um, this detail. Jonah is running from the mission. Jonah is running from the mission. The mission given to him by God. Where does Jonah get on a boat? A town called Joppa because he doesn't want to preach to the Gentiles in Nineveh. The Israelites hated the Assyrians there in, in, in Nineveh and, and, and so did Jonah. But some 800 years later, God speaks to an apostle named Peter in the same town of Joppa. He, he says in Acts 10, I want you to go and talk to the Gentiles, to Cornelius and his feet. And Peter said, yes, and goes. It was the very same town of Joppa where God gave the message to Peter to go to the Gentiles. It was in Joppa where Jonah was running from God's mission to preach to the Gentiles in Nineveh. God loves and cares deeply for the Gentiles. Gentiles are non-Jews. Jesus, the Messiah, didn't come just to save the Jews. He came to save both Jew and Gentile. The gospel is for both. Jesus said in the gospel of John chapter 3 verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In Romans chapter 1 verse 16, the apostle Paul writes, for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And 2 Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. But Jonah was dismissive. He didn't love the Gentiles in Nineveh. They were hated by the Israelites and Jonah personally hated them too. In the Old Testament book of Nahum, chapter three, verses one through four, we get a glimpse of just how wicked Nineveh was. Woe to the bloody city. It is full of lies and robbery. Its victim never departs. The noise of a whip and the noise of rattling wheels, of galloping horses, of clattering chariots, horsemen's charged with bright sword and glittering spear. There is a multitude of slain, a great number of bodies, countless corpses. They stumble over the corpses. Jonah wanted to get as far away as possible from God's calling to bring his message to the Gentiles in Nineveh. They were evil, they were wicked, they were barbaric. He was afraid that if he went and preached, they would repent and turn to God and he didn't want to see that happen. But as he would discover, as I shared last week, you can run but you can't hide. You can run, but you can't hide. 
Please follow along as I read today's main scripture text, Jonah chapter one, verse four. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a violent storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Gracious Father in heaven, thank you for your word. It's perfect. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, our helper, who is perfect. I pray in Jesus' name, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would communicate your perfect word to our hearts, that you would open our hearts and minds to the truth in your word today. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Be glorified, I pray, through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We see that the immediate result of Jonah's rebellion is a fierce storm. And this storm, as we see in our text, was sent by God, but the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. As we'll see, even the pagan sailors discerned this storm was supernatural in origin. This was the sailing season. It's important to note. This was the time of the year if you needed to take a long journey by sea, this was the time to do it. The sea was calm, skies blue, and then bang, out of nowhere, there's fierce winds and waves beating on the ship. Verse five says, the mariners, the sailors, were afraid. These were experienced sailors who took bad weather in stride, so this must have been a terrifying, terrifying storm like none other. The boat about to break apart and sink. Verse five says, every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. This boat was full of Gentiles, full of pagans, the very people Jonah didn't want to preach to. They're crying out to their false gods for hope. They're so afraid they start throwing their cargo overboard. And this is an important detail we don't want to miss. These sailors were making this journey for profit, to make money, for personal gain. But they're so afraid for their lives, they're throwing all the valuable cargo overboard, hoping to lighten the weight of the ship to keep it from sinking. This reminds me of Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, where Jesus told his disciples, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? These sailors sacrifice their profit. They, they throw all the cargo overboard. It's a great personal loss to them. But as far as they were concerned, they valued life, their personal lives, more than their monetary profit. They're praying to their false gods. They're sacrificing. These are pagans. But where's Jonah? Where's Jonah? He knows the true and living God and he knows the truth. He's down in the lowest part of the ship and he's in a deep sleep. Verse five says, but Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had laid down and was fast asleep. Everybody around him is praying. Yes, they're praying to their false gods. Everybody around him is making a sacrifice. 
They're calling out to their false gods, and the prophet of God is sleeping. He's in a deep sleep. He's snoring. He's oblivious. While Jonah is out of touch, the pagan sealers are extremely alert. While Jonah is self-absorbed with his own problems, they are seeking the common good of everyone in the boat. They, they pray each to their own God, but Jonah does not pray to his, the true and living God. Wow. Church, it's hard to pray to God when you're running from his presence. It's hard to help others when you're self-absorbed and don't love what God loves. Gentiles, lost people. Why pray for Gentiles? Why pray for lost people if you don't love them? It's hard to pray for people you don't love. These pagan sealers are lost and Jonah's behavior is dismissive and unhelpful. Do you find yourself dismissive and unhelpful to people who are radically and religiously different than you? This is a good question to to consider, to ask ourselves. The Great Commission text calls us to go into all the world. Jesus said in Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We're called to bring the gospel to every people group. No matter how wicked, no matter how evil, no matter how barbaric they may be. We don't get to determine who deserves God's mercy and and, and God's grace. And that's what Jonah was doing. How many of us do the same thing? We determine who deserves the mercy of God. We determine who deserves the the grace of God. And that determination is revealed in the lack of our prayerlessness. Or the lack of our prayer, our prayerlessness. If you're a Christ follower, not going is not an option. Can I hear a big amen or oh me or something? Love you, pastor. I love you too. These pagan sealers were also spiritually aware enough to sense that this is not some random storm. They were astute enough to conclude that this fierce storm is of divine origin, possibly a result of someone's sin. Verse six says, so the captain came to him, came to Jonah and said to him, what do you mean, sleeper? Whoa, that's a punch to the gut. God's prophet is rebuked by a pagan sailor. Can you imagine? God called the Jewish nation to be a witness to the nations around him, but they became preoccupied with their own comfort and pleasure. Jonah slept when the pagans needed him the most. Church, the world around us is lost. They're they're praying, trying to figure out what in the world is going on. I mean, this world's a mess. It's a mess. And like Jonah, the church is sleeping. Romans chapter 13, verse 11. If you're taking notes, write this passage down. 
It's been on my heart for several months. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. I've sensed in my spirit the Lord saying for several weeks, church, the slumber party is over. It's over. Wake up and get serious about your faith. This has been stirring in my spirit for several, several weeks. Back in 1988, Christian music artist Steve Camp wrote a song titled Hell is Burning While the Church Sleeps. Here's some of the lyrics. Don't you know hell is burning while the church is asleep? Oh, we're stuck in our pews as they're dying in our streets. Outside, the battle rages on. Inside, it's nice and safe and warm. Hell is burning while the church is asleep. Steve Camp was discipled by Keith Green. I had the privilege of working with Steve Camp on a couple of occasions. And in the green room before the concert, what a joy it was to join with him in prayer and to experience and witness his deep love for God, the things of God, and for lost people. A prophet through song. A prophet through song. I remember hearing that song for the very first time back in 1988 and just weeping. Recognize it as a prophetic word from the Lord. And it's a word for the church today. Hell is burning while the church sleeps. It begs us to ask the question, how are we sleeping? The Holy Spirit tends to give me Words that I trust and pray help convey what the Spirit of God is, is speaking, speaking to me personally, and I truly believe that he's speaking to us here today. How are we sleeping? We play more than we pray. We conform instead of transform. We walk in the night instead of the light. We support lies and not truth in the ballot box regarding the sanctity of life. You see the unborn matter to God and the sanctity of marriage between one man and one woman matters to God. We use our resources to build our own kingdom but not the kingdom of God. You see, knowing their gods weren't helping, we read in verse six that this pagan sealer tells Jonah, arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. The word arise is the same Hebrew word God used in verse two when calling Jonah to arise. 
calling him to go to Nineveh to preach repentance. As Jonah wakes up and and he rubs the sleep from his eyes, there is standing before him a Gentile sailor, a pagan at that, with God's very words in his mouth. God calls the prophet to the pagans to point them to him, yet it is now the pagan pointing the prophet to God. He tells him, arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. How embarrassing. A pagan pointing God's prophet back to him. God uses a pagan to turn his prophet to him. God, he loves you. He loves you. He loves the saved and the unsaved. Church, God will do what he must do in his pursuit of you. He loves you, the Bible tells us, with an everlasting love. And there's nothing that you could ever do that could ever separate you from his love. He pursues you. Just like he's pursuing Jonah in his time of rebellion. He doesn't stop pursuing us. I'm so grateful for his grace and his mercies that are new every morning. Can we praise him, church? He's worthy to be praised. Worthy to be praised. Let's pick up at verse seven. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. And so they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. They tried everything physically possible to save themselves to no avail, recognizing there is, uh, there is human sin and a divine hand behind the storm. They decide to cast lots. Now, casting lots in order to discern the divine will of their false gods was quite common in ancient times. This wasn't a game they were playing. This was very, very common. Story is told that they had a jaw with a narrow opening and they would put all these black stones in there and one white stone. They would shake it and they would drop one stone at a time. Whoever got the white stone was busted. God uses the lot casting in this case to point the finger at Jonah. Look at verse seven. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. I can just see Jonah now. This this white stone comes flying out of this jar and it's spinning and it's spinning and it's spinning and it looks like it's gonna stop right at this guy but it keeps spinning and it stops right in front of him. Your sins will always find you out. You can run, but you can't hide. They're like, wow. And they stop, they stop peppering Jonah with all these questions. Look at verse 8. Then they said to him, please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? And where do you come? The boat's sinking, by the way. The boat's about to be ripped apart. And they're asking all these questions. 
For whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? And, and, and what is your country? And, 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 what, and of what people are you? As the winds blow and the waves beat and they're tossed to and fro. Essentially, they were asking him three things. Number one, his purpose. What is your mission? Number two, his place. From where do you come? What is your country? And number three, his race. Who are your people? You see, to ask about purpose, place, and people is an insightful way of asking, who are you? Who are you? In their minds, human identity was closely linked to what you worshiped. If your identity is in your work, then work is what you worship. If your identity is in money, then money is what you worship. If your identity is in lots of friends, having lots of friends, then friends is what you worship. If your identity is in fashion, then fashion is what you worship. Their urgent, urgent goal is to understand the God who has been angered so they can determine what they should do. The sailors knew that identity is always rooted in the things we look toward to save us. These pagans understood this. Jonah said to them, look at verse nine. I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Notice something. Jonah first says before anything else, I am a Hebrew. Does he put his love for country and nationality before his love for God? Does he put his country's hatred towards Nineveh, the Assyrians, before God's love for the Assyrians in Nineveh. While Jonah had faith in God, it appears that his identity is in his nationality and country and not in his creator. Loyalty to his people and loyalty to the word of the Lord seemed to be in conflict. There was a tension within. He chose his support for his nation's hatred for Nineveh overtaking God's love and message to the pagans in Nineveh. Church, we must be careful not to exhibit the same attitude of Jonah where country patriotism trumps Christian practice. When it does, hatred fills our hearts. And there's a lot of hatred in our world. Church, when it does, hatred fills our hearts. Racism, indifference, disrespect, and unrighteous anger takes over our hearts. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23 says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. In church, our identity first and foremost should be in Christ, not country. Can I hear a big amen? amen. I love our country. I love our flag. I do. I'm so thankful for our constitution and the freedom it's provided us since our birth to serve freely the one true living God.
but I want to love God more. I want to love God more. We all want to love God more. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verse 36, my kingdom is not of this world. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, we are given instruction on living before the world. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, this world is not our home. This world is not our identity. We're sojourners, we're pilgrims, we're on a journey, we're passing through this foreign land. We have a kingdom that's not of this world. We have a king who is king of kings and lord of lords who is not of this world system. Abstain from fleshly lust which war against your soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. The lost. Those that those who don't know Christ that when they speak against you as evildoers and they will and they are and it's only going to intensify as the coming of Christ draws closer and closer and closer because we see this clearly in the perfect word of God that they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation when God judges the world. Church, our identity when our identity is in a country, we lose all hope. There are people who have placed their identity in their country. And their country is a mess. It's full of evil and wickedness, it's falling apart. And they go around 24-7, hopeless, filled with despair because their identity is in a country. And when our identity is in a country, we lose all hope. But when our identity is in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ alone, we will never lose hope, no matter how evil, wicked, barbaric it gets in this world. We will not lose hope because our hope is in Jesus Christ, the perfect one. Can we praise him, church? He's worthy to be praised. Worthy to be praised. After identifying himself as a Hebrew, Jonah then makes it clear that his God is the creator. He is Lord over the sea. Let's pick up at verse 10. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Why did Jonah run? Why do we run from God? Jonah had a wrong attitude toward the word of God, so he ran. It's the same reason why we won. Jonah had a wrong attitude toward the will of God, and so he ran. And that's why we run too. Jonah had a a wrong attitude to the Gentiles living in Nineveh, and so he ran. This is the same reason why we put our running shoes on and we run as fast as we can. 
Now, you would think that these pagan sailors would say, let's draw them overboard, but they don't. They asked Jonah in verse 11, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing fiercer. Let's see Jonah's answer in verse 12. He he tells them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this fierce storm is because of me. Even when Jonah proposes that they throw him overboard, they do everything possible to avoid doing it. (laughs) At every point, these pagan sailors outshine Jonah, God's prophet. It's so convicting. Look at verse 13. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not. Let's stop here for just a quick second. Nevertheless, the men rode hard. Can you just see them rowing? All of them just rowing the ship to try to get to land, and and they're, they're rowing so hard. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not. No matter, hear this this morning, no matter how how hard man tries, man cannot save himself. For the sea continued to grow fiercer against them. Look at verse 14. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, we pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. This is another good place to hit the pause button. Romans 10.13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. They go on praying to the Lord and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. Remember what Pilate said at Jesus' trial? After the people chose Jesus to die over guilty murderer named Barabbas? Gospel of Matthew chapter 27 verse 24 records these words from Pilate. He tells the crowd, I am, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And of course the, the crowd shouted back, we will see to it. His blood will be on our hands and on our children's hands. These pagan sailors pray that the Lord not charge them with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you, as it pleased you. This reminds me of Isaiah 53, verse 10. It says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Prophetic word of Jesus. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the Lord to send this storm. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, to bruise Jesus. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. In Matthew chapter 12, the scribes and Pharisees, they ask Jesus for a sign. They're basically saying, prove yourself. Prove, prove yourself. Prove that you're the son of God by doing something extraordinary. Now, what kind of sign are they asking for? I mean, the healing after healing after healing after healing and casting out demons, transform lives, multiplying bread and fish, 
feeding 3,000, feeding 5,000, forgiveness of sin. I mean, what could they want more than thousands and thousands of miracles that they've already had seen? In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, verses 38 through 41, Jesus answered them saying, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And indeed, a greater, a greater than Jonah is here. Jesus is saying, I am the greater of Jonah who is here. Jesus here says the story of Jonah is a prophecy. It was a prophecy in picture rather than in words. It is a type, an Old Testament picture of Jesus. Something in the Old Testament is a picture of something in the new. You see, throughout the Old Testament, you have those kinds of of pictures. If there's an Old Testament type, if there's an Old Testament picture, you can only know that it's an Old Testament type, that it's an Old Testament picture, if in fact the New Testament tells you that. And in this case, that's exactly what we have. Jesus said, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jonah was buried in the depths. Jesus was buried in the depths. Jonah came out. Jesus came out. A picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was three days for Jonah. It was three days for Jesus. It was a perfect picture. Jonah spent three days inside the belly of a great fish because of his own sinfulness and rebellion. Jesus spent three days inside the belly of the earth because of our sin and our rebellion. Jonah ran from the calling of God. Jesus perfectly obeyed the Father's will, coming to earth and dying on the cross. We remember his time in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but your will be done. Jonah was asleep on the ship during a storm. A storm he caused by his own disobedience. Jesus slept on a boat during a storm was awakened, and according to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, Jesus rebuked the wind and said to the waves, be still, and the winds and the waves obeyed him. Jonah caused a storm. Jesus calmed a storm. Jonah feared the creator. Jesus is the creator. In the fish, Jonah knew that salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah chapter 2, verse 9, he, he proclaims inside this belly of this big fish, salvation belongs to the Lord. Jesus' name means Yahweh saves. Jesus is Savior. He is the Savior. There's only one. 
His name is Jesus. Jonah became angry with God for showing grace toward repentant sinners. We see this in Jonah chapter four. We'll get there a little bit later in this series. Jesus modeled God's grace toward repentant sinners. Jonah was angry enough to die because of God's grace toward his enemies. Jesus was compassionate enough to die because of his love for his enemies. The question we must ask, are we more like Jesus or Jonah? Are we more like Jesus or Jonah? Let's pick up reading Jonah chapter one, verses 15 and 16. And so they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. These pagan sealers turned their hearts to God. They turned their hearts to God. You talk about a just God, a good God, a gracious God, a merciful God. It wasn't anything Jonah did. You see, God is the hero in this story from start to finish. He always is. Here are some of the reasons why God chooses to work through storms. He'll send a storm our way. Not every, not every storm is, is, is sent by the hand of God that we experience in life, but he does at times send storms our way. He chooses to, to work through these storms and, and, and this is, here's some reasons why to get our attention. To bring us to repentance. Turning us back to him. To conform us to Christ's image. To reveal himself to us. To demonstrate and remind us of his love, grace, and mercy. To demonstrate his power in our lives. To equip us for ministry service. To remind us who is in control. He is Lord. Can we say it together? He is Lord. We don't make him Lord. He is Lord. I'm sure we've all prayed this way. I I know I have. Jesus, I'm making you Lord of my life. He already is Lord. I can't make him Lord. He is Lord. He's Lord whether I like it or not. He's Lord. He's in control. He's sovereign. He calls the shots. Whether I like it or not, he calls. He sends. Whether I like the calling or not, the sending or not, my part is whether or not I bow to him and choose to worship him as the one that he already is, Lord 
of all. Lord of all. Storms can wake us up to truths we would not otherwise ever see. How many have a hard noggin? <laughs> At first, Jonah could not see that deep within the terror of the storm, God's mercy was at work, drawing him back to change his heart, to transform his heart. He could not see God's unrelenting pursuit of him. He missed this initially. In verse 12, he tells the sailors, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Let's just get it over with. Let's end this misery. Do me a favor. I'll never have to go to Nineveh and preach to the Assyrians, those wicked evil, I hate them. Throw me overboard. I want to end it. And they throw him overboard. He sinks. But verse 17 says, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. You can run, but you can't hide. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and and three nights. We're going to walk through the scriptures next week about this experience in the belly of this great fish. Jonah experienced God's mercy deep inside his storm. As soon as Jonah hits the water, the God whom he did not trust, he didn't trust him. He didn't trust that God knew what he was doing when he called him to go to Nineveh and and preach to the Assyrians. He didn't trust him. The God whom he did not trust saves him. He doesn't drown. He's swallowed by a great fish. This mysterious divine mercy that God wants to give to the Gentiles in Nineveh and that Jonah finds offensive turns out to be his only hope for himself personally. In the belly of that great fish, Jonah gets his first insights into the meaning and the wonder of God's grace and mercy. And we're going to take a deeper look at God's grace and mercy next week from the belly of the great fish. Church, I close with this. Join me standing. Please. I love you. I love you. It's a joy to serve the Lord with you. Please hear this today as we prepare to close. There's mercy deep inside our storms. There's mercy deep inside our storms. Do you see God's unrelenting pursuit of you? Do you see? He is. As the worship team leads us in this chorus. Let's take a moment to respond to God's word. You can by coming over to the front of the church. The altar we call it. It's a place where we meet with God. But you can meet with God right where you're standing as well. There's nothing holy about this part of the sanctuary. 
It's a place of just meeting with God, getting out of our comfort zone. (laughs) Just getting out of our comfort zone to meet with God. Let's respond to him. Let's take a moment as they lead us in this chorus of worship. Let's respond to God.